This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey, listen, you know, it seems like every single week we have this conversation about what is new in real estate and it's just nonstop. Uh, always in the headlines on every every news station, every newspaper, everything reporting, it seems like real estate's on the front page. Um, you know, this is one of those weeks, again, that we have to talk about things such as, uh, you know, uh, the minister, finance minister, Charles Souza, is saying that he wants to see if he can control the real estate market, impose taxes. Everybody wants to jump on capital gains. You know, uh, Mayor Tory was, uh, had a roundtable with some experts uh, in the industry. I didn't get a phone call, folks. I was really surprised. Would have loved to have uh, put in my four cents, not just my two. I'll double it up. But um, again, trying to solve Toronto's inventory problem. And inventory now Nowadays, when we talk about inventory, it's not just about those people wanting to buy and sell. It's actually about the people that want to rent. And interestingly enough, one of the comments made by Meritori this week was the fact that they believe, and again, he, he can't verify it yet because I think it was more of a speculative number, but they were talking something in around of 60,000 vacant properties uh, in Toronto right now that they believe could be speculation. Now, when people talk about vacant properties, the real question is, is, are they going after building permits to knock them down? Are they waiting for family members to come and immigrate? Are they waiting for the Canadian citizenship to come and move here? Are they waiting for a job? Is 60,000 the real number? Well, you know what? They're, one of the things that they'd suggested and thrown out there on how they can figure it out is water and hydro usage. So in other words, if you're pumping through the water, you know somebody's living there. But if it's not, if your water meter's not spinning, it means that it's vacant. Now, how long are they going to agree to let somebody have a vacant property before something happens? So one of the hot topics this week, of course, is the fact that the provincial government wants to cool off the real estate market. And again, you'll hear me talk about this all the time because I feel that I'm constantly reiterating this and some of the pro pros out there, I think, are also catching on that it truly is an inventory problem. It's not just about interest rates. It's about the fact that we do not have inventory. And, uh, you know, some of the people here at the station, actually, you know, recently they went out, they bought a home in an outer market, and yet they decided to sell their home in, the, in more of the core and, of course, snapped up made great money on it. That's awesome. But the thing is, is that it's because nothing came in the market. There's nothing out there. A few years ago, we didn't have this problem. You know, you had to have a decent home. 2009, 2010, things weren't going in the multiple offers, but what a difference, you know, five or six years makes. And the fact that we have so many people that are immigrating into the Toronto area. So I caution the finance minister, Mr. Charles Souza, on the fact that perhaps before you start pulling the trigger on all sorts of taxes, make sure we know what we are targeting, not who we are targeting. And I think that that's really important right now. Because what they did in Vancouver was they targeted a group of people and yet Vancouver is now starting to bounce back. And if we look at the pure numbers in Toronto, it's now balancing out. Before we had a huge separation of detached condominiums and condominium market was not going up as quickly. And now we're starting to see increases in condominiums. Why? 
inventory. People are finally saying, fine, I can't buy a detached home, so I better buy a condo because I need some place to live. And again, I'm going to talk to the, you know, the people that are out there, the political people, the leaders, you know, our mayors, our premiers, our prime minister, these people need to realize that we have an inventory problem. It's not careless Canadians and it's not foreign buyers. You know, one, one interesting point that I did catch from the, uh, from the uh, news uh, segments from the mayor's meeting this past week was the fact that people, again, jump on people that are Chinese saying they're just throwing money at it. And I was relieved to hear that some of the professionals picked on something that I have been talking about for months was the fact that when somebody is a Chinese person and they're buying, it doesn't mean they're coming from China. They're coming from Markham. They're coming from all sorts of areas. And it's just people automatically say, oh, look, it's a foreign buyer. No. And you know what? They should not be segmenting people like this saying, oh, it's just the Chinese buyers. Foreign buyers come from all over the world. Canada is a hotspot. It's going to remain a hotspot. And this is one of the things I think that we all have to realize. The problem is inventory, folks, no matter what. And it's it's amazing because you can start throwing taxes at people and the market is still going to stay strong. And again, if you're talking about foreign buyers, then there's going to be concern because what will happen is, is that if they do a knee-jerk reaction like they did in Vancouver, then what's going to happen is people are going to turn around and deals are going to fall apart. So I'm going to give you one of my advice segments. And Recently, a friend approached me. Um, I don't sell houses anymore, by the way. Um, I haven't sold a house in years. Uh, being a simple investor, uh, you know, we only work with investment real estate. But um, I still have people calling me all the time, and I'm happy to weigh in on this because I am still active in the industry every single day, you know, working with the numbers, working with people. And at the end of the day, uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, Todd, listen, our house is going on the market. We're in um, the Mississauga area, you know, and we're pretty sure that, you know, it's going to be a foreign buyer that's going to buy our property. And I said, well, how do you know? And he said, well, that's because that's all the people buying in it. And I said, how do you know? And he said, well, we see them pull up to the, in, in, in their car into the house. And I said, gee, okay, so a foreign buyer has their own Ontario car. Hmm, okay, so not a foreign buyer. Um, so here's a couple of things that we got to take a look at, is that his comment to me was, well, you know, I want a foreign buyer to buy my house. And I said, why? Because he said, well, he'll overpay. And I'm like, okay, does that really make sense? Because are you saying that the 80 people that are putting an offer in on your house are all foreign buyers? There wasn't one Canadian in there? And this is the thing. People want to buy. They want to live in an area. So this south part of Mississauga, really sharp area. And so here's here was my advice for him because... Again, after we heard everything that happened out in Vancouver, BC area, where deals just blew apart, where people didn't close, I started thinking to myself, okay, listen, I need to put out a warning now that the finance minister is throwing down the gauntlet saying, hey, we're going after foreign buyers. And for all of our realtors that listen, you all know that I try to give really good advice to all the professional realtors out there. Any of you part-time, you know what, stick with your other job. But the people that are the professionals, the pros that do this every single day, I hope you agree with me on the advice that I'm about to give everyone. And you can help your client out this way. And I think everybody should. I think you should put a foreign buyer clause in your agreement of purchase and sale. And let me explain what this foreign buyer clause says. And it shouldn't be designated just for foreign buyer, but what it should say, okay, and you can control it, because remember, you're in control, you're the seller. You can put in a clause that says, if a foreign buyer tax is implemented prior to closing, 
and the buyer does not close on the day of closing. Two days after the closing date, they agree that the deposit being held in trust will be released to the seller automatically, and a mutual release is given. And the reason why we're doing this is because out in Vancouver, there are people still struggling that never received the deposit. They walked away from the deal. So they left the people high and dry and they didn't mutually release all the deals right away and they had to actually go to court to get some of this relieved and everything got tied up. And then you've got a broker that has money stuck in his trust account, which should have gone to the seller of the property because that's what the buyer pledged saying, no matter what, I'm showing good faith. Here is my deposit. So you need to put a clause in your offer you know what? I'm probably going to end up posting it in the next little while. Let everybody know once I've got it written up. You can run it by your lawyers, run it by your brokers. But at the end of the day, I'm going to encourage everybody that if the provincial government is going to implement this, you need to protect yourself. There was a lot of people that got hurt in BC because the knee-jerk reaction of the provincial government said, hey, listen, we're going to put in this foreign buyer tax because we're going to cool off the market. And then all these deals blew apart. Nobody got the deposit. Everybody was left stranded, even though they had already bought another property. You know what, Ontario? We've got to protect ourselves. If the government pulls this stunt, and it is a stunt to a certain degree, if they don't give everybody fair warning, then I think that everybody should protect themselves. And you as realtors, as professionals, your job is to protect your client. And so put together that clause and you will be able to protect your client by simply saying, fine, if you don't close, the uh, the deposit is automatically paid to the seller and this deal is deemed to be mutually released. You can do it. You put it in writing. All parties agree. And that way, if you have a foreign buyer, they're well aware that if they're going to be serious about giving you the offer you're looking for, that they will agree that the deposit is the seller's if they do not close. That's my best advice after all the years of negotiating that I think we can protect the sellers if this happens. And I'm concerned about it. And again, it's not that I'm concerned that we shouldn't be taxing certain speculators in the market, but I'm concerned about what the fallout is for the people that are actually counting on the money. So that's my advice, and hopefully it will help everybody out. Again, we've got to protect ourselves in some situations. Hey, listen, got a great show plan for you uh, today. We've got some excellent guests. Uh, some of you might re- remember the name Ray Ferris. He's former president of Aria. He'll be joining me as well. Um, I've got Brian Tucky. That he is the CEO of Build, and he will be joining me as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about you know the the actual construction aspect in Toronto uh, about renovations. And do you know the name Condo Chicks? Well, you know what? Uh, two special guests joining me. They uh, they specialize in the condominium market and uh, they are from Stomp Realty. And it is Lorena Magdalenas and Erica Smith. They'll be joining me later in the hour. And we're going to be talking about condominiums. Amazingly enough, multiple offers sitting there. Prices are up and uh, even some competition in the rental market. So we've got lots planned for you. And hey, listen, you know, coming up, we've got our May seminar. Uh, April is completely booked. In fact, we don't have any spots left for May. We're going to be holding it at our brand new head office. It's very exciting. So 
go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can find out more about what we're doing and find out about our seminars. You can always get more information. And listen, I'm always happy to meet with people. No problem. You can book a meeting with me even without coming to the seminar. Love talking about investment real estate. I, I got to tell you, it's a hot market. It's interesting. And the economists want to call it a bubble. I do not. But I've got some professionals that we can talk about uh, the market itself. So stay with us. When we come back, we've got more. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Um, my next guest you are familiar with. I've had him on the show several times. In fact, he is the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and it is Mr. Ray Ferris. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm great, Todd. Thanks for having me back. Oh, always a pleasure. And uh, Ray, maybe for our listeners, maybe you could tell us what are you doing right now? I am out showing cottages at Long Point in freezing rain. <laughs> now, Ray, all we do is uh, a lot of times is talk about Toronto and the GTA and, you know, the suburbs and all that. But your marketplace, when you talk about Long Point, you know, when we look out at the Port Rowan, Port Dover area, you have seen something over the last 18 months that you find really hard to believe. And it's that whole multiple offer thing and, and, and real estate heating up. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a realtor for 21 years and multiple offers in our marketplace uh, were a very rare thing. But now they're the name of the game, and it's unusual when we have a property for sale that doesn't go into competing offers. So it's something we've had to get used to very quickly. You know, it's interesting because when we talk about realtors, you know, we've been we've been experiencing this for a few years here in the, you know, the GTA market, where you know, you know, there's more and more multiple offers happening in your marketplace. Are you finding that realtors are a little perplexed on how to deal with it um, because you know it's it's not wasn't that commonplace? Yeah, it certainly was a learning curve out of the gate, Todd. And I'm the broker of record of my own real estate brokerage, and I had to educate my realtors on making sure that they were handling the multiple offer situations correctly. Because as you know, it's a very sophisticated process to be able to handle more than one offer at the same time on a property. Well, you know, it's nice to hear you say that, uh, Ray, because a lot of times when, you know, people think about multiple offers, they think that, you know, realtors are doing something underhanded. But as a broker of record, that it's nice to hear that you're training, you know, your staff members to handle them equally. Because that's the one thing I think that a lot of buyers, especially in a marketplace as hot as this, feel that, you know, they're not getting the best, uh, you know, advice or for that matter, best representation. Because, you know, you've got 40 offers coming in and somebody, you know, there's always that talk of, oh, is there a side deal between this agent and this agent? You know, and it's nice to see that, you know, there are people out there that actually take it seriously. Yeah, I I mean, uh, it's a very rare situation where uh, a buyer objects to something that happened in a real estate transaction afterwards when it's in competing offers, if the transaction was handled well from the beginning. And by that, I mean, if the realtor took the time to educate the buyer about the process, how it's going to work, what their options are, what the ramifications of those options are, and also not only what options the seller has, but also, excuse me, what the buyer has, but also what the seller is going to be thinking in receipt of multiple offers too. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it must be pretty exciting because again, as you said, you know, it's not something that was commonplace there for a few years. Now you're starting to see more of it. And, you know, one of the things is that because your area, and I would call it a little bit of, I, I don't quite call it cottage country, I call it vacation properties. And are you finding that you didn't have the same slowdown this winter as you typically would? Yeah. So when I look back at 2016, 
in the area that I service, Todd, I don't believe we had any cottage sales or vacation home sales uh, between January and April. I don't think we had any sales in the community that I live in, which is Long Point, until April 9th. And this year, we're having sales all through January, February, and still right here in March. Wow. You know, and that's that that's impressive when you think about that, you know, the market is is heated up. Now, you know, being being the past president, one of the things that we saw last year in Oreo or or actually Treb and, and all the numbers that came through was we didn't see the fluctuation in the market that we normally do. You know, the, the winter, spring, summer, fall markets. Whereas a realtor, as you know, you know, like right now, you typically when you come into the month of April as a you know, working on vacation properties, this is normally what this is your peak time. And then you typically have a little bit of slowdown, obviously, through the end of the summer and then into the fall and winter. But in all the markets, it seems like there there's pressure on it all year long, which we haven't always seen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, there were a lot of buyers who didn't find what they were looking for last fall. And those buyers are still out looking. Even in the area that I service, we have a shortage of properties available for sale. So in vacation home properties, I usually recommend to people that contact me throughout the winter to hold off and not list until the spring. But my advice this year has been entirely the opposite, and that has been to get the property on the market because of the shortage of inventory available for sale. And we're seeing competing offers right now, even when uh, I'm out here in freezing rain. (laughs) <laughs> so you know, so so you're earning every 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 cent now. <laughs> so Ray, one of the things I was going to ask you though, in in the outer markets, are, what is your percentage price increase that you're seeing? Well, in the area that I service, in the county in which I live, we saw uh, February 2016 versus 2017 of the same month have a 25 percent increase. Year wow. over year. Wow, that is massive. I mean, you know, we, we've heard a little bit of that in the core of Toronto, which I mean, you've got millions of people descending on when you talk about the outer markets, like what you where, where you live and where you where you trade real estate, that is a substantial increase. Now, do you see it being a bubble? Or do you just see it as a lack of inventory for willing buyers? You know, I've been a realtor for 21 years, Todd. And every time we go through uh, a lot of sales and markets like we're experiencing now everybody talks about a bubble but in 21 years i've never saw that bubble right now what we're experiencing is simply a lack of supply on the market causing the multiple offers that we're experiencing i think that that's probably indicative of all the marketplaces in Ontario, you know, right now, uh, Ray, you know, I've been talking, you know, we own, as the Simple Investor, we have properties right across Southern Ontario. And all of our marketplaces, we're finding that every single one of them is having solid increases. And it's not speculation. It's people that are getting off the fence, saying they want to buy in. And of course, Ontario is growing at a substantial rate. You've had meetings with, with the Premier in the past. What do you see the markets looking like? Well, the purpose of our meeting was to discuss housing affordability and supply with the Premier. So we have asked the government, when I was at the Ontario Real Estate Association as president, to create a housing affordability task force. What are you going to do with that? Well, we want to talk to the Premier and the government about um, what we can do to make sure that every Ontarian that wants to own a home can do so, that we keep the housing 
uh, availability affordable and that there's uh, there's enough housing available to satisfy the number of people that are out there looking it's not just a one style fits all uh solution in the province of ontario i mean particularly in the toronto gta area gta area the government should be looking at alternative styles of housing rather than just high-rise construction. I agree. And you know what, Ray? I think I think if we all focus on getting more inventory in the market, we probably will help stabilize it a little bit more. And, yeah, and for I, sure. I think I think everybody just has to recognize, you know, we're in a world-class economy, and this is this is part of the reason why, you know, people want to live here. Yeah, no doubt. It's a great place to live and work. Excellent. Well, listen, Ray, always a pleasure having you on the show. Make sure you stay dry. Good luck. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. All right. Take care, Todd. Excellent. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Mr. Ray Ferris, and he is the past president of Ontario Real Estate Association. Always great to have him on. When we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So, folks, um, you know, one of the things that we uh, we always are looking at is the fact that, you know, we're looking for new developments to be built or perhaps you're looking at renovating your property. And I'm finding that more and more people are telling me that, you know what, it doesn't make sense to move. So why not renovate? You know, put an addition on, you know, change that kitchen, bathroom, you know, make the house your own. I mean, there was a reason why you lived there in the first place. And one of the uh, one of the guests that uh, that we've had on in the past is John Carlos Safitas, and he was part of Build. Well, now actually joining me is Mr. Brian Tucky, and he is CEO of the Building Industry and Land Development, which is known as Build. And uh, Mr. Tucky, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Todd. Nice to talk to you. One of the things that we, we've noticed, obviously, uh, because the market is so hot, there is a huge upswing on people doing renovation and additions. Are you finding in your industry that uh, you're able to meet the demands? I've heard waiting lists are getting to six months and a year for some people. I'm going to take a little step back in this, uh, Todd, because I think that's part of the symptom of the larger problem. And the larger problem is, uh, to me, quite simple, is the demand for new homes is far outpacing the supply, especially in single-family ground-oriented homes, which basically sell out as soon as they come to the market. And the result is, in the greater Toronto area, uh, any a ground-related home uh, anywhere in the GTA, that's from Keswick to Oshawa to Burlington, is uh, well over a million dollars, $1,080,000. So what we find is that, in my experience, um, someone will have a home, and I'm, and I'm in that demographic, you're a baby boomer, and you start to think about downsizing and maybe buying something that uh, might uh, serve you better in the uh, later years of your life, you might say get a $1.2 million for your house. And the mindset is to try to put a half a million dollars or something like that into the bank. Um, When you go and look for condo prices, and I've been just doing this from uh, personal experience. I live in the Corktown neighborhood and we went to three townhomes, I'm sorry, three uh, condos to move into and they've all been sold for over a thousand dollars a square foot with so a thousand foot co- uh, condo was a million dollars so wow. and then you're also faced with um, 
um, condo fees, uh, depending on the type of unit you move into, anywhere from you know seven eight hundred dollars to thirteen hundred dollars a square or a, a month, and people find they can't put that. Uh, you know, seven five hundred thousand dollars in the bank that they want to have for their retirement, and so one of two things happened, Todd, and we're seeing it all over Ontario. The first is is what you see in the in, in the renovation industry is that the renovation industry is booming because the people when they can't afford to uh, make that change, they simply renovate their house. And then the second thing that's happening, and I think it's even. Um, more extreme for the smaller communities is they'll start to look farther afield. Sure. Um, they'll look to places anywhere, actually, in southwestern or southeastern Ontario, where they can go and buy a home for 500000 and have that ability to put uh, the um, money in the bank for their future retirement. So sit, towns like uh, St. Thomas, Caledonia, um, Fergus, are finding that many people are moving out there from our generation. And so the housing market is affected all across Southern Ontario. So it's either older people who uh, want to move and, and, and can't in, in their existing neighborhood or young families who are wanting to have something on the ground and can't afford that $1,080,000 price tag for a new ground related home. Even it was, it was just a townhouse. So, that's the bigger, you know, it's a symptom of a larger issue. So, yes, our renovation uh, business is, is really booming in the greater Toronto area. Um, to give you an example or just uh, some facts is that in the greater Toronto area, about 196,000, almost 197,000 people are employed in the home building industry. And about half of that or a little more than half of that are renovation industry people wow. so it's uh they are t- i think uh, john carlos is probably better to answer but i know many many are are saying if you uh want to renovate uh, don't ask me to do it in the next year or 18 months yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's one of those things that we're finding out uh folks if you're just joining us i've got brian tucky he is ceo of build uh talking to me right now and uh mr tucky one of the one of the things that i i did recognize though and being in real estate for so many years you know we talk about inventory problems and you'd mentioned you know everybody's kind of pushing out into the outer markets we're watching people build in you know the smaller towns which kind of makes financial sense but one of the things um, we've had the CEO uh, Tim Hudak on from Aria, mm-hmm. and you know he's 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 a big advocate of being able to free up some land for more development. Are from from a builds perspective, are you seeing the same issue that it, it's harder and harder for you to be able to get the get, you know get the allowances, the building permits, getting the province to agree to be able to build in certain areas? Absolutely. Uh, Build began talking about this issue five, six years ago. The GTA is experiencing a severe shortage in new housing supply as we have unprecedented inventory levels. And so what an an inventory to us means that are things in the builder's inventory that's available to the public, either in pre-construction, during construction, or after construction. It's like the warehouse. And I use the and so what we found, for example, for ground-related homes, that's uh, townhouses and through to singles. Um, this experience, the shortage in inventory, began about uh, seven, eight years ago. 
10 years ago, for example, there were 12,064 new homes available as single detached homes available for purchase in the GTA, 12,064. Today, this February or end of February, there are 324. I use the analogy today in another discussion. It's like uh, if you have 100 apples in your warehouse and you have 1,000 people wanting to purchase those apples, the price goes up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very, very serious problem in the greater Toronto area, and we've talked about it as a crisis for a number of a number of months now. We're seeing the same trends in, in, in condo uh, inventories decreasing. So there's a, there's a number of factors in, in ground-related in the, in the regions. It's sometimes it's uh, water and wastewater servicing that isn't available. Uh, in all areas, it's just uh, process time that takes to get through the system. It used to take maybe in the in I don't York region, uh, ten years to get through the process. I have members that are talking about taking seventeen years to get through the process to wow. build new homes, and we're seeing the tr- same trend in in condos, and that's a big reason I believe that the prices in condominiums went up fifteen percent year to year. Uh, our experts tell us a healthy condominium market would have about 23, 24,000 condominiums and in building inventories or in the builder's uh, warehouse. Right. Today we have uh, just over 10,000. I, uh, I understand the numbers coming out around 2019. It'll actually even be lower than that as far as completion to, do, to deliver to the public. And it just seems like there, there seems to be a logjam of everybody getting permits. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, you know, it. We talk about sales, so that's kind of an early indicator, Todd, of the of the market. Um, last year, 2016, we had a record sales of about 47,000 homes in the Greater Toronto Area. So every home that was put on the market and released or um, was sold very, very quickly, whether it's a town, townhouse, single, or condominium. So you're looking down the, the road, um, in, the, in the medium term, we should have a lot of housing starts this, this year, mm-hmm. especially in the ground-related product. I think your observation is quite true in 2019, um, there, we didn't have as good a years three years ago, and that's how long it takes to build a condominium. So yes, there'll be fewer completions, but we like to look at starts and we like to look at sales because that is where you really can see what the future looks like in the greater Toronto area. Sure. Well, you know, in- interesting stuff. And, um, you know, we really appreciate you joining us today at Simply Real Estate and, and giving us an update. And hopefully we can check in with you in a few months and find out where the economy is going. It's been my pleasure, Todd, anytime. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Mr. Brian Tucky, CEO of Build. So stay with us. We'll come right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more 
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Hey, you know what? Have you been looking up in the skyline lately? You know what? I do. Every single time I come into the station here, you know, I can't believe it. It just seems like another building is going up. And instead of me always jabbering about condominiums and what is happening in the market, and by the way, of course, this week in the news, we hear a lot, um, I thought I'd bring in some experts in this field. And who other than the condo chicks? That's right. The name, um, I don't know. You know what? When I first heard the name, I went, condo chicks? And then I was uh, had the pleasant surprise to be able to meet Lorena Magdalenas and Erica Smith. And welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you Thank so much you. for having us. You know, this is awesome. And, you know, it's it was kind of funny because, you know, I guess you're having a little bit of a play on your name, the condo chicks. Can you tell us where did you come up with that idea? You know what? We wanted to come up with a brand that was really catchy and different because we find in the industry... So many realtors, they market themselves individually. So we wanted to come up with a brand that people would remember, but we also wanted to make it kind of fun so we could play off the brand and just take it to a whole new level. Yeah, it's very, very catchy. And, you know, um, just before we we came on the air here, you know, we had a great conversation and we're talking a little bit about the, the history of real estate and what's going on in the marketplace. And of course, you know, um, you, you do specialize in condominiums. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So let's talk about this market because this has been, I mean, as we all know. It's the, crazy. The market is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, for, for the last few years, we've been all been hearing a lot about the detached market, you know, over over asking massive bids, you know, line up out the door. And we always were sitting there saying, hey, are condominiums going to have the same thing? Because, you know, everybody thought there's so many condominiums being built. How could we get into multiple offers? But, you know, right now you're in the heat of it. Multiple offers, multiple offers on rentals. Um, you know, can you can you give our listeners kind of perspective of what's happening to the condominium market today? Since last year, we started to see a real jump in the condominium market. Uh, a lot of more bidding wars started to happen, and now this year, I mean, whether it's a studio unit or a two bedroom unit, uh, everything is going for over asking. But especially the larger units, because what we're finding is that a lot of the a lot of people looking for homes and houses, they're just priced out of the market. So they're looking for that larger space in a condo. So they're forced into the condo market. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that we know about the builders back in around, you know, 2005, when the builders started building, they were building up a lot of the one bedrooms, sometimes one plus ones. And Even this bachelors. Is, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, everybody was thinking affordability. But then about, I don't know if it was the turning of the guard, the guard, but about 18 to 24 months ago, we started hearing builders saying, maybe we need to build some three bedrooms. Because as you you know, and I'm pretty sure you've sold some of the older buildings, but there's a lot of like big square footage units out there, but they're not the new fancy ones. You know, they're not the the Shangri-Las of the world. So are you finding that people, when they come to you, they say, hey, listen, can we get a three bedroom condo? Do they exist? Or is it mostly younger couples that are just looking for the ones and twos? I would say, you know, with the newer builds, builders are definitely taking into consideration the larger square footage and they might put a two bedroom plus den or a three bedroom in a thousand square feet. That is still not a lot of space. If you look at some of the older condominiums that were made, 2,500 square feet, 3,000 square feet. And there's some great, I mean, we really like the St. Lawrence Market area because there's some great historical buildings in there. And if you can pick up a unit that's, you know, 2,000 to 3,000 square feet and renovate it, you have a home in the city. You know, one of the things I've tried to emphasize to people that sometimes is building that sweat equity. And, you know, out in, you know, the Mississauga area, out in the Oshawa area, we've got a lot of older buildings 
Yes, we've got the new ones that have been built up, but buying the older ones, you know, you kind of know the maintenance fees are a little bit higher, but you've got so much more square footage, but your prices are actually more attractive. Are you are you encouraging people this way? Because, you know, it seems like the multiple offers are coming on the new shiny penny, not necessarily the older buildings. It really depends on the buyer. Yeah, I mean, in the older buildings, a lot of people, you know, we went on on a showing recently with a with a couple that wants to be in a larger two bedroom condo, but it was an older building. And so as soon as they walk into the building, and if unless the building's been renovated or has a nice lobby or they've put money into an older building, sure. they kind of turn away. We're seeing it a little bit more with younger couples that they just prefer turnkey. Yeah. It's, it's the millennial yeah. generation too. Like they want everything new, everything, yeah. you know. Finished turnkey. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's kind of tough because you know it, then you answer the question that okay, what about the older stuff? You know, the, I, I I you know I always am tracking the market, and there are some good deals still, but yet there's that concentrated part of the market where, as you said, you know, uh, you know, multiple offers, and we're starting to see more and more of them. You can have ten offers on a condominium, but this is the you know this is the creme de la creme. Can people actually you know? You know, and, and, and Mayor Tory was uh, talking this week, actually, that, you know, we have a, a serious inventory problem. And yet, um, you know, why do people not want to go to a little bit older building? Can we can we convince them to say, listen, you're also saving money when you do it? And you know what? It's really interesting because if you compare the pricing for a detached home in one of these older condos and you have the same square footage, even though your maintenance fees might scare some buyers away, sure. You have to start taking into consideration what happens if your roof goes in a home? What happens if you have to replace the windows? So if you compare those costs, even though the maintenance fee number might seem aggressive, it's really not that aggressive if you start looking at what you could have to potentially pay for a home down the road. Yeah. Property taxes are always less in condos as well. Sure. I mean, and with the older buildings, it seems to appeal more even more so to those that are downsizing. Empty right. nesters. Yeah, empty nesters. They they seem to be okay with paying a bit more of a maintenance fees, but getting that large space in a condo. Because with the new condos, you're just not getting space. Now, Lorena, do you have a specific area that you prefer to either sell in, or do you you know what what, what is the apple of your eye in real estate? I mean, I grew up in Etobicoke, so I love Etobicoke. Right. Um, <laughs> and but downtown as well. So I'm I always say if if you're a young couple, I mean, most young couples want to live in the city. They want to be in the in the, in the core, hub in the hub of everything yeah. um, but I always ask them like are you okay with maybe going to Park Lawn and Lakeshore or maybe just right above a subway line Dundas and Kipling because you will get more bang for your dollar going a little bit more west. Well, you know, along the corridor there, you've got uh, Palace Pier, you've got Marina Del Rey, all those places there. And um, I had one of our investors actually reach out to me and they struggled selling their unit in Marina Del Rey, which is really not that old of a development. It's beautiful. It's on the water. And they said, you know, a little bit of a struggle to sell because everybody wants to be right in the main hub. And, you know, I, I, I find it you know, coming from the suburbs, I find that kind of perplexing because it's like, look, we will drive from Mississauga here, yeah. but, you know, they, they're, they're like, a, you know, it's a couple bus stops away, right? Mm-hmm. So. And I think it's because people either want to be right in the heart of the city or really in that suburban life, it's right? The extreme, <laughs> right? It's the extreme, right? Oh. Halfway between. So, Erica, do you, have, do you have something that you look at as saying, hey, listen, this is, you know, is there an up and coming area for people? You know, right now we know where the hub is, but, you know, let's do a little speculation. Is there another hub that, you know, people should be keeping their eyes on for popularity? Well, right now, the market that we're seeing that is going crazy is the Hamilton Ancaster 
right. areas. I mean, and it just shows people are pushing further and further out. So the further, and we see it more to the west as opposed to the east. I mean, if you're looking for trying to be close to the city, uh, it, the Lower Junction area is really is really redeveloping. Like our office is, is right in the Lower Junction, and it's amazing how much uh, everything changing. is changing there with warehouses coming down, buildings being built, a whole new subdivision. The Drake it's, is going in there yeah. as well. That's great. Well, you know, it was interesting because um, I was talking to one of the hosts here earlier in the week, and uh, there's some land assembly in Kensington Market. And, you know, as soon as people hear land assembly, everybody gets really nervous because of the redevelopment and the changing of the faces. And this is one of those concerns that I think a lot of people say, listen, we're going to lose a little bit of the, the character to start jamming in more buildings. Um, is, this some, is this a concern or is, is this a positive? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because a few developers that we spoke to last week were saying how the 416 area code is oversaturated. There's no more land. You can't yep. build anymore. Sure. But the 905 is where it's at now. Yeah. So I think that, I mean... That's why condos, I mean, they're looking to have height density, right? They yep. want to go as high as they can go because the parcels of land that they're building on, some of them are so narrow. Yeah. And they're just these tall, you know, skyscrapers with no character, no space. You don't have underground parking lots anymore. You <laughs> have <laughs> yeah. parking just yeah. because the, the There's land. no parking lots in general anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, out in Mississauga, um, uh, the Rogers Group there is putting this, together that massive yeah, land. The M did, development. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And I think it's 10,000 units in total when it they're going to be finished. And it's almost like it's its its own little city in a city. It's almost like a new city place, but yeah. in, in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, listen, uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, how do they get in touch with you? We're on social media. We like to say that we're everywhere. Okay. Our website is condochicks.com, okay. and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Excellent. So what do you think? Is the market going to stay stable? Are we in a bubble? Or, you know, is this is this just a lack of inventory that we're having? I'll let Lorena answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, nice likes pass. It. she knows she likes this question. Right. So when yeah. we talk about it a lot. <laughs> we, we, we definitely have a lack of inventory. Um, you know, we I keep being positive with uh, with the buyers that we have and we keep saying, you know, keep positive that hopefully now when going into the spring and summer, we're going to get a little bit more. Definitely an inventory problem. But uh, I mean, I just don't know if it's going to go any down like Toronto's a very desirable city. People are coming here. It's very safe. We have great schools, healthcare, yeah. and uh, immigration. We're just getting, you know, more people coming into the into the city. So I just can't see prices going any lower. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. Um, when when we take a look at it, we're a world-class city now. And I think, I, you know, and I've, <laughs> I'm pretty sure our listeners are getting tired of me saying this, but we got to put on our big boy pants because the truth is we're competing with all the major cities now. And our real estate value going down, um, it, it's probably going to be a little far-fetched that it's going to crash because despite the fact that the, some economists are saying that, you know, we're overinflated, that we're going to adjust. New York never did in 2009 virtually. We're like and, the yeah. New York of Canada. And yeah. I think we're just catching up to these cities. If you look at pricing in New York, we're not oh, even close to being there. On, exactly. we, we, on a we global are really scale, yeah. on a global scale, we're yeah. still very, very affordable. And so that's, I mean, really, and I think other people from... We're starting to catch on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. different Excellent. places in the world, they're starting. 
Yeah. Excellent. So one more time for your uh, your website so everybody can reach you. Condorchicks.com and you can find us all on social media. Excellent. Well, listen, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank I you for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, folks, that was the Condo Chicks and uh, they are from Stomp Realty. And um, so anyways, if you're thinking of looking at a condominium, make sure you reach out to them. I also want to thank Ray Ferris. Always great to have him on. Uh, former president of Aria and as well, Brian Tucky, uh, CEO of Build. It's always great to have these people join us. Hey, remember, next week you can join me here at 3 p.m i want to thank my producer ian grant and for all of you tuning in and i'm your host todd c slater and i'll talk to you next week